The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight, where we take a look at various political issues, not just healthcare, but more recently because of the political environment, the division in this country, the recent elections. We take a look at domestic policy, foreign policy, all sorts of issues related to things that affect your daily life from the political world, the political elections. And today I want to talk about the future presidential candidate, Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis won the Florida gubernatorial election by 19 points when it was not expected to be that close. When the rest of the country was not living up to the so-called red wave, well, there was a red wave in Florida. I happen to live in Florida and witnessed the growing stature of Ron DeSantis. And I think while those of us in Florida would hate to lose him as a governor for the next four years, we realize that the country's needs may be greater. And we are hoping that his policies, if not Ron DeSantis himself, runs for the presidency in 2024. So we'll see where that comes out. But I want to today take a look at some of his policy actions that he's taken in Florida that has made him so popular in the state among Republicans, independents, even Democrats. He's won over the Hispanic vote, the minority vote, in so many different ways because of what he has done to help people, the middle-income people, the Joe Sixpack, the people at the bottom of the economic scale who are trying to find the American dream. They're finding it in Florida because of the policies of Ron DeSantis. You know, when you look at any problem that we face in this country, probably the number one solution that is in front of us that most people ignore is education. Without a good education, without a good educational system, you can't advance. You can't have the next generation do better than the previous generation. You can't have the current generation grow up not knowing reading, writing, arithmetic, how to communicate, knowing about our history, knowing about civics. Education is the core to everybody's dream, which is why so many uh, folks that come in, immigrants that come into this country who focus on education, specifically the Asian population that comes in, it is at the core of their family to get a better education, to get ahead by learning and understanding the capitalist system. Many of them come from dictators or communist backgrounds, and they know what this country can deliver if you just take advantage of it. The opportunities that this country offers to anybody coming into it, even if they don't know the language when they come in, even if they don't know the history when they come in, they are sponges just absorbing our history, our culture, and mixing it with their own. They retain their own culture, but they bring in the value of the European culture, the Judeo-Christian culture that is the founding of this country. So I want to turn this program into a program that highlights what Ron DeSantis has done. So for those of you out there listening, 
Well, maybe you know his name by now because in, he's in the media so often anymore. Many times on the liberal media trying to find problems or trying to backstab him in many ways. Let's find out the real Ron DeSantis and what he's done in Florida and what those of us who live in Florida have seen and valued of his governorship, of his leadership, of his ideas, of he, what he has promoted to make this a better state, an improved state, an example of what conservative philosophy and governing can actually establish. So let's take a look at this educational issue. Governor DeSantis, tell us about your educational policies and the impact it's had on helping the next generation learn to survive and thrive in the American economy if conservative policies, conservative principles are implemented in the educational realm. We are number one now in the most recent education freedom rankings by Heritage Foundation. We've always been number one in the Center for School Choice or something of that nature rankings, and we're, we're proud of that. Governor, I want to come back to some of that, but clearly Florida is leading the nation in education freedom, and that is choices of schools, whether it's charter schools or homeschooling or STEM programs. Tell the audience um, more about what else you have done to lead Florida as an example for the rest of the country. You've got a lot of different highlights that I want to get into, but give us a summary of those at this beginning point. Uh, of course, we've done well on so many other things. We've led the nation in new business formations, uh, particularly over the last few years. We've led the nation in net in-migration since COVID. We've had more wealth move into Florida, adjusted gross income, over the last since COVID than any state has ever in American history, even adjusted for inflation. Governor DeSantis, you've probably been best known across the country for your policies during COVID and making Florida basically a free state where you followed the real science, not what was coming down from Washington that was more politically oriented. Would you talk about those decisions that you made that were so different from other states? COVID hit. Uh, every governor had to make decisions about how you wanted to handle your states. And we saw so many governors across the country that kept locking people down. In Florida, we decided to lift people up. We protected people's freedom, their right to work. We saved hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of jobs. Uh, we made sure businesses could operate. So those of us who live in Florida know that you kept businesses open, that you kept um, rentals to condos for the snowbirders that wanted to come down and get away from those blue states and enjoy the beaches and enjoy the outdoors. We know that that all happened on the business side. Let's go back to education again, because that's so critical to any state, any country. Those are the things where we made some of the biggest mistakes to put our young people a year or two or more behind in their education, especially compared to many other countries around the world. But certainly Florida uh, flourished against other blue states in the United States that kept people locked down. So tell us a little bit more about that educational decision to keep the schools open. And we were the first large state to say 
Every single kid in this state has a right to be in school in person five days a week. And at the time, you remember when I came out, there was all the hooting and hollering and, you know, the left was upset, the media was upset, we got sued by teachers unions who wanted to close and lock kids out of school. Uh, we had all this stuff, all this all this uh, uh, dust thrown up saying that this was bad. But, you know, I said my job as governor uh, is to be willing to make the decisions to benefit the people that I represent. My job as governor is not to subcontract out my leadership to people like Fauci and other bureaucrats. I looked at the data. I read the studies. I made sure that we were able to know, and it was obvious even, this is over two years ago now, that kids needed to be in school. The data was clear. It was fear. It was hysteria. It was media that was trying to tell people the opposite. And so I didn't know how it was going to work. I knew it was going to be the right decision substantively to do that. I didn't know how it was going to work out in terms of politics or any of that stuff. But, you know, what a leader has to do is you got to put the best interests of the people you represent ahead of your own interests. And contrast that to so many other states around this country who cruelly locked kids out of school and sometimes over a year that they have locked them out. And guess what? The people who are doing the locking out tend to send their kids to in-person uh, tutoring or private school. And the kids that got harmed were a lot of our low-income families. And the learning loss and all the, the slowdown is going to be devastating for years and years and years to come. Well, Governor, I think you're right about this culture of fear that uh, Washington, D.C. was putting out for so long. It is, of course, the way the left um, historically across the globe has tried to control any population. It's by fear. It's that things are going to be so bad if you do this. I've got to protect you. So the culture of fear is really a danger um, that the left has imposed uh, historically. So how did you deal with that culture of fear that we were experiencing related to education. And so in Florida, we were not going to allow our students and our children become casualty of a culture of fear. We were going to cut through that, and we were going to make sure they had opportunities to not only go to school, but to do activities and to be kids. And I know that there's a lot of folks now who try to say that they would have done what I would have done. In reality, uh, most of these people were very much opposed to what we were doing. Uh, and if I had not wouldn't willing to stand up here in Florida, who knows what would happen in a lot of these other states. And so we're happy to have done that. Uh, we're happy that our kids were, were put front and center uh, when so many other states left them behind. And this is just one way that we're standing up uh, for parents and for families. Well, Governor, you were standing up for families and the children in schools far before COVID hit. Tell us about what you've done in terms of school choice and options and things that help the children in their learning in the state of Florida. Of course, even before COVID, uh, when I became governor, we had a mission that we wanted to expand parental choice in the state of Florida to provide more scholarships for families, uh, low-income families, but also we've got a lot of middle-class families who um, who need to be able to afford, uh, have a good choice. So we enacted the Family Empowerment Scholarship. Uh, and so now if you look at our choice 
choice options in the state of Florida because of what we've did. We've got about 235,000 students on some form of private scholarship. We've also made sure that we're providing opportunities for parents if they want to send their kid to a charter school, which is not private, public, but it's not necessarily run by the school district and usually is insulated from some of the political influences that we see that try to infect the school system. And so we now have about 363,000 students in various types of charter schools. And those are, you know, those are sink or swim. You got to provide something that parents want. And if you don't, then they're not going to send their kid there. There's no charter school that has a right to have any kids go to their school. So we've been able to see a lot of innovation in that space. But what's happened in Florida, because you have private choice, you have charter schools, our school districts uh, have a lot of choice within the school districts in most parts uh, of the state. Uh, we now have, if you count intra-district choice programs, we've got 1.3 million students in some type of choice program in the state of Florida. Well, audience, I can tell you firsthand because I live in Florida. I've got grandkids in elementary school and in middle school in Florida. And what he's saying is not just political rhetoric. It's not something he pouts after the fact or based upon some limited uh, program change that he's implemented or something that he wants to implement. No, he has actually implemented these programs. And my grandchildren have a choice, for example, when they go to middle school or high school, they've got three or four choices of where they could go to school. And if one school is not providing the services or the benefits that the parents would like, they can go to another school. They got charter schools, they got STEM school, they've got a uh, dual enrollment with a local college, and they've got a regular high school as an example. So DeSantis is a man of his word. He's implemented these policies, and it's making for a much better state and the education of children in the future. Well, let's take a quick commercial break. I want to come back, and I want to continue with the policies of Governor Ron DeSantis, a likely candidate, if not nominee, for the Republican presidential race in 2024. It's a museum. It's a showroom. It's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today we are focusing on potential Republican 2024 presidential candidate, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, who won a massive victory uh, just a couple weeks ago in the Florida election. He won by over 19% differential with his Democratic candidate, and he did it by pushing Republican conservative philosophies. And I want to go back and sort of wrap up his position on and his actions on education. 
because many people think that Republicans just want to uh, cut educational dollars, that too much money is being spent in the educational system on a per-student basis. But I want to go back, and Governor DeSantis, tell us what you did with funding, because sometimes funding is the answer if you couple it with outcomes and being sure that you are carrying out the policies that will educate the next generation because many schools spend a lot of money, but they don't get very good outcomes. Many schools don't spend enough money and they get bad outcomes. So the whole idea is put your money where your mouth is. Just don't talk about it. Put money where it might be needed, but let's get the outcomes and let's do the metrics and let's do the measuring. So tell us what you did in the area of funding and of being sure that those dollars are being spent effectively in education. We've put money in scholarships. Yes, our whole, our school districts, we had the largest funding that they've ever had, aggregate and per pupil. Uh, we did the largest increase in teacher salaries, both for teachers in school districts and for public charters in Florida history by far, um, and, and that's really important. But the most important thing is what are the outcomes of what you're doing? Uh, are students achieving? Are they learning? Well, we don't have the state-by-state -state results for the National Assessment of Education Progress yet. We did see nationally there were some very, very disappointing results, largely driven by the lockdowns of the schools. And I think you're going to see in some of the lockdown states a generational loss uh, of learning capability. And it's going to take a long time to build. I think Florida is going to be comparatively much better than them. But the last year that we have state-by-state results for the NAEP, uh, Florida ranked, if you adjust by different demographics, which the Urban Institute did the study, we ranked number one. And I think part of it is because... Uh, parents are empowered in Florida to be able to, to get their kid uh, in, a, in a school that works for them more so than any other place in the country. So we're proud of what we've been able to do. And we've also done a lot. We've done a lot on early literacy. We're doing financial literacy now more than ever in the schools. We're doing civics education. It's important that kids, when, when we're graduating kids from our school system, uh, and it's any type of school, uh, they are going to be, eventually become of age, most of them are 18 or close to that, and uh, they're going to be American citizens, adult American citizens that have the responsibility to exercise the duties of American citizenship. And I think it's important that they're graduating with a foundation and knowledge about what it means to be an American. You know, Governor, when I was in school many, many moons ago, I admittedly, um, we were taught civics. We were taught about how our government was structured, how our three branches of government worked uh, uh, together and separately and what each responsibility was. Uh, we learned about our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution, the Bill of Rights. Why do you think it is so important that we get back to civics education? We need to let them know that our founders did not believe our rights came from the government. They believe our rights came from God. We need to let them teach them about the structure of our Constitution, the Bill of Rights, how those values were important in American history, the Civil War, World War II, Civil Rights Movement, winning the Cold War. We need to make sure that we are able to distinguish our system from other systems. And so I've signed legislation uh, so that every November 7th in the state of Florida, uh, the Flor Florida can reflect on, but our school children will actually learn about uh, the damage done by communist regimes. We're going to teach kids about the evils of communism. 
Well, Governor DeSantis, I know that one of the reasons that you're focused so much on education is because you yourself have young children. You yourself have to worry as a parent about what they're being taught in school and how much influence the school have versus the influence that they get at home. So tell me a little bit more about that personal interest that you have in education, especially for young kids. We also, I have a five, my wife and I, we have a five, a four, and a two-year-old at home. And we get our money's worth, and there's a lot that goes into that, as many of you know who are parents. But one of the things I sometimes think about is the parents now, particularly with young kids, some of the challenges are are different than maybe what it was 50, 60 years ago, because it seems like there's so many influences, there's so many things that are trying to converge, and whether that's in school, where some schools are trying to indoctrinate, whether it's even watching cartoons or things like that, there always seems to be somebody's agenda around the corner that they're trying to impose on your kid. And what we want to do is we want to have a society in which our kids can be kids where our kids can go to school without having an agenda imposed on them. That's why we did the Parents' Rights in Education Bill. It's wrong to teach a a six-year-old boy, boy, but maybe you're really a girl. That's wrong. We'll focus on teaching them to read, write, add, subtract. That's what school is about. It's not to inject uh, these ideological themes, particularly in these very young kids. Uh, and so parents should rest assured in Florida, you know, you can send your kid to elementary school without having to worry about some of the stuff we see going on in a lot of these other states. Well, Governor, the other important thing that I think you have done is recognize the parent more in the school. And I think you passed something about the Parents' Bill of Rights. Would you explain to our audience what that is? We also have done a Parents' Bill of Rights in the state of Florida, which basically acknowledges, which I think would have been something that almost everyone agreed on until very recently, that parents have a fundamental role in the education and upbringing of their kids. The school systems are there to serve the community, serve the parents, serve the students. The school systems do not supersede the rights of parents. Why we were able to sign curriculum transparency legislation this year, which basically says in Florida, parents have the right to know what curriculum is being used in their kids' school. Teachers overwhelmingly want the parents to be involved because if the teacher is involved with what their kids are learning, the student's probably going to perform better. When the parents are neglectful of the kids' academic progress, then it all falls on the teacher. That makes their life much more difficult. So teachers are happy to have parents involved. I think the only people that don't want the parents involved are the people that worry that the parents' involvement will serve as an impediment to them trying to pursue their agenda in the schools. Well, Governor, you've taken head-on this issue of taking politics into the classroom and not educating kids but indoctrinating them to a philosophy that is anti-American, is more socialist, is big government. It is the classic uh, use of socialism slash Marxism historically to reach the kids, to train them early on to be thinking in a different way than our democratic free market um, democracy that we have in the United States that has worked so well to raise so many people out of poverty, to give more people an opportunity. And if they can reach the kids, they can change the course of this country and change the politics of it to uh, a more centralized 
um, ideological, um, almost uh, dictatorial power that Washington politicians and bureaucrats would have. So tell us about that basic philosophy that uh, you've been fighting, um, in many ways fighting against the media and the liberal uh, press. We believe in education, not indoctrination. We believe an important component of freedom is the, in the state of Florida is the freedom from having oppressive ideologies opposed upon you without your consent, whether it be in the classroom or whether it be in the workplace, and we decided to do something about it. So, Governor, tell our audience what you did, because many parents out there and many people, voters out there, um, who are worried about what's happening in their state kind of feel helpless. They don't know what to do. They don't know which way to turn. They don't know how to stop this this tide of liberalism, of wokeness that's going into our schools and almost every part of our society. Tell us what you did specifically to try to beat this back. The bill that uh, provides substantive protections for both students and parents to ensure that the education they're receiving in Florida is consistent with the standards of the state of Florida. And those standards do not allow pernicious ideologies like critical race theory to be taught in our K through 12 schools. We are not going to use your tax dollars to teach our kids to hate this country or to hate each other. We believe that every single student matters, every single student counts. We are not going to categorize you based on your race. We are not going to tell uh, some kindergartner that they're an oppressor based on their race and what may have happened 100 or 200 years ago. And we're not going to tell other kids that they're oppressed based on their race. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't succeed in this state. Well, Governor, you've done a lot in the state of Florida to help the students, to help the teachers, to help the classroom uh, teach the right things and be able to follow the principles of our Constitution, our governing documents. Um, you've done so much in so many areas of education, of creating more choice, etc. Could you just sort of summarize all that in uh, your basic uh, philosophy and principle of these educational changes that you've made. And so we believe in, in having that true, solid education. Uh, I will point out, because you actually will hear people uh, lie about what uh, we're actually doing, and they'll say they don't want you to learn about history and all the key things. Just understand, in the state of Florida, it is required in Florida statutes uh, to teach about all segments of American history. We have to teach about the Holocaust. You must teach about African-American history. You teach about the institution and the abolition of slavery. You teach about the failure of the post-Civil War amendments to take hold and how you needed a fight for civil rights. We teach all of that because it's real history and it's important. But what we will not do is let people distort history to try to serve their current ideological goals. Governor, one of the ideological uh, lessons that are being pushed through our school system, our educational system, is that 1619 project uh, promoted by the New York Times. What are your thoughts on it? The New York Times' 1619 project, where they teach that the American Revolution was fought to defend slavery. 
when in reality, you can read the pamphlets, you can look at the Boston Tea Party, you can see what they were upset about because they told us, they wrote it down, and they wrote a declaration of independence to fuel their fight for freedom. And so we have to be accurate, and we cannot allow ideologues to try to distort what has happened in this country's history. Governor, you've taken some amazing actions to actually stop the wokeness in the state of Florida, and those are policies many of us would like to see pushed across the United States. We want to hear more about what you have done in the state of Florida in areas other than education, but let's take a quick break right now, a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with uh, interviewing uh, Governor DeSantis. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. Veteran owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today we are profiling Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. He is the probably the most likely, other than Donald Trump, most likely candidate for the Republican nomination for president in 2024. And I think probably the biggest issue, this is just my opinion now, my, the biggest issue may very well be an education president because education is the core of really advancing this country, of getting knowledgeable citizens to be able to vote properly, to be able to be able to develop a career, to be able to su- support their family and their community and themselves in whatever endeavor they want to go into. And so Ron DeSantis has done that in Florida and I think it's important at this juncture to highlight somebody who is a very likely major candidate for the Republican Party and his educational platform, as well as some other issues that I think he has shown enormous strength and leadership on in Florida, the state that I live in. So one of the criticisms of the educational initiatives that Governor DeSantis has taken on is that he won't he won't promote, he won't teach under these proposals. Teachers won't be able to get into all aspects of contributions uh, of various minority groups, of Hispanics, of blacks, of women, into the history, the rich history of the United States. Uh, So, Governor DeSantis, can you address that issue? Are you going to allow teachers uh, to cover the entire spectrum of contributions to our American history? We will absolutely teach all aspects uh, of, of history uh, that are true. We will study, in particular, the contributions of both women and Hispanics to Florida and to the United States. We'll teach about civics, character. Uh, we will also have mental health education. This is all very, very important, and we are really on the cutting edge. But what we will not allow, 
What we will not allow is to be taught that members of one race, color, national origin, or sex are somehow morally superior. We are not going to allow teach that a person, simply by virtue of his or her race, color, national origin, or sex, is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive. That's wrong. We are not going, we are going to make sure a person's moral character or status uh, as either privileged or oppressed is necessarily determined by his or her race, color, national origin, or sex. That is not allowed. That is wrong, and we are not going to teach that. We're also not going to teach that virtues such as merit, excellence, hard work, fairness, neutrality, objectivity, and colorblindness are somehow racist or sexist. They are not. Everybody can succeed. Everybody works hard. Everybody deserves fairness. Governor, this critical race theory issue that we've seen sort of penetrate the educational system in this country, but yet many people say CRT as a course doesn't really exist. What is your take on this whole uh, controversy about CRT and what have you done in terms of Florida education? We've seen examples of uh, this ideology in the schools. And another thing that people will say is there is no course called CRT in our K-12 through schools. And, you know, that is actually true, that there are there are courses like that in law schools, which is really where, where it should stay. Um, but what we are doing here is actually enumerating the principles of CRT being put into practice in a whole variety of subjects. So yes, we understand that's not just one course, it's an overall worldview that many people are trying to inject into our kids' education. And that is not a true education, that is indoctrination. So it's a significant issue, and this parents are going to be able to have recourse uh, if the school districts are not following Florida standards. Well, Governor DeSantis, probably what turned the media to be crazy about what was happening in Florida was what they call the um, don't say gay bill that's gotten so much publicity, which, of course, had nothing to do, had no words in it about gay or anything else. But tell us about what that bill um, really was and what the purpose was. It's called the Stop Woke Act. And the reason what it stands for, woke, is stop wrongs against our kids and Employees Act. Because unfortunately, you've seen employees, mostly working for major Fortune 500 companies, that get subjected to this same type of ideology in the guise of workforce training. So your concern in this bill is not just about the students and the um, indoctrination that they may be getting from the far left woke crowd is trying to teach people that they are um, um, are oppressors or are being oppressed. It tends to divide the country. It, it means that if you're born with a certain skin color that you're never going to get ahead because you're always going to be put down by somebody else. And the somebody else who's white in particular is the uh, argument that um, they're always going to be the oppressor, even if uh, they haven't had anything to do with slavery over 200 years ago. They're still being punished, if you will, uh, for that, um, uh, that, that birth uh, circumstance that they have of being white. But you've just made a charge about people in the work environment involuntarily being indoctrinated through workforce education, that they're being told the same thing. Can you give a couple of examples of what's happening in the workplace that you're trying to fight with your legislation as well? 
Coca-Cola, for example, had their employees uh, be urged to be, quote, less white as part of the company's diversity training. Google employee program claims that America is a system of white supremacy and that all Americans are, quote, raised to be racist. Walt Disney Corporation, of course, claimed that America was founded on, quote, systemic racism and encouraged employees to complete a, quote, white privilege checklist. Under this law... That is a violation of your civil rights. So we will have substantive protections, not just for students and parents, uh, but also employees, and we're proud of that. We also define in this bill uh, individual freedom on the fundamental truth that all individuals are equal before the law and have inalienable rights. And all school instruction, instructional materials, and professional development must be consistent with those core principles that this nation was founded upon. So, Governor, your bill says things that can't be taught in the schools around critical race theory and the indoctrination and the division that it can create. Um, Is there a positive you can describe about what your bill now will replace it with in addition to the civics that you've talked about? Can you talk about some specifics, uh, maybe storylines, history, uh, biographies that this bill would encourage to be taught or require to be taught in the schools? Contrast to critical race theory, this bill requires the Department of Education in the state of Florida to develop a stories of inspiration curriculum to inspire students with stories from American history that embody the principles of freedom. Uh, Some partisan group was sending out flyers saying that because she voted for this, she didn't want people to learn about George Washington. And I'm thinking to myself, like, first of all, that's not in here, but if our kids learn nothing but George Washington's character, they could do a lot worse for it. You will see people like Frederick Douglass and see his journey, which is really a remarkable journey. You will see stories of people that's, that stormed the beaches of Normandy to defend this country from Nazi tyranny. You will find stories of people who fought for this country against communism, both in the Soviet Union and, unfortunately, just 90 miles off our coast. So, Governor, before we move on to another topic of activity that you've uh, implemented in the state of Florida, something most other states maybe should do or would like to do but haven't, uh, wrap up your thoughts here on educational reform that you've had in Florida and the importance of it. Freedom from indoctrination is a central tenet of what it means to be a free citizen in the free state of Florida, and we're proud to take action. You know, some people say, don't get involved in this, and what are we supposed to do? We are going to fight for what's right, and we are going to make sure that everybody's got a fair shot to realize their their dreams and make the most of their God-given talent. Governor, I want to wrap up this session, and probably we'll go into the next uh program segment, your concerns and the actions you've taken to fight crime when individual district attorneys across the country in many major cities have not been prosecuting crime and have been letting criminals out, have been not charging people, and they go back out and they continue to plague uh, the average citizen out there. The innocents are being uh, punished while the guilty Uh, and the criminals are being let go. So let's start off by telling a little bit about what your approach is and the concerns that you have uh, relative to this phenomenon that's going on around many major cities and how Florida is acting on those concerns. Our uh, government 
is a government of laws, not a government of men. And what that means is that we govern ourselves based on a constitutional system and based on the rule of law. But yet we've seen across this country over the last few years individual prosecutors take it upon themselves to determine which laws they like and will enforce and which laws they don't like and then don't enforce. And the results of this in cities like Los Angeles and San Francisco have been catastrophic. You could go in in San Francisco and steal a certain amount of merchandise and you just would, by definition, not be prosecuted. That has undermined public safety. It has really hurt these communities uh, and has been devastating to the rule of law. Governor, many of us average citizens saw and heard, you know, the George Soros-funded candidates for district attorney uh, were getting elected because he's putting money into those areas, and most people don't pay a lot of attention. They just assume district attorneys would, in fact, prosecute criminals and crimes. But there seemed to be this soft underbelly that George Soros um, uh, seemed to go after so that he can create more uh, chaos in our major cities and across the country. When you saw this happening, what was your reaction? And as governor of a major state, um, what do you think you were able to do? So as I saw that happening across the country earlier this year, I asked my staff in my office to look around the state of Florida and to make sure that that was not going to happen here, where you would have individual prosecutors nullify laws that were enacted by the people's representatives. They spoke with law enforcement throughout the state. They spoke with line prosecutors throughout the state. So what I'm hearing you say, Governor, is that you did a in-depth study of your entire state, the major cities and areas and prosecutors that are out there to see if that was developing in Florida, sort of a, a preemptive strike, if you will, to see if you had some early offenders of actually prosecuting laws when they should be prosecuting, but they were letting people go. So it didn't get any further out of hand. What did you discover when you did that, taking a look across the state in this very structured, very organized way of looking at the problem. Uh, and it all came back to this area here in the 13th Judicial Circuit in Hillsborough County. And the uh, response that we got was a lot of frustration on the part of law enforcement for criminals being let go and crimes not being prosecuted. Uh, and so we looked into it and we, we compiled uh, a lot of the record. And I can tell you it's been a very, very troubling record. So uh, the prosecutor, state attorney for this judicial circuit, uh, Andrew Warren, has put himself publicly above the law. So you found a violator, a district attorney who's not following the law. You identified as being in uh, the Tampa, Florida area. And I want to know what you did with that, but I want to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back and find out what you were able to do when you found out that you had a district attorney in your state that was not complying with prosecuting uh, criminals and was letting them go back out on the street uh, to further hurt uh, average citizens. Stay tuned, and we'll come right back after this commercial break. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. 
Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the final segment of America's Web Radio. And our program is called Healthcare Insight. And today we are looking at uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, and we were taking a a deep dive and insight into what his policies uh, have been in Florida, why they have been so successful, what his basic governing philosophy is, uh, what the basic principles that he follows in trying to determine how he can best serve the citizens of Florida, and he has been enormously successful having won his re-election by almost 20 points over his Democratic rival. Um, the last segment we finished up where not only had he been making significant changes in the educational system to be sure that people are learning reading, writing, arithmetic, and not all this other wokeism that's creeping into so many schools across the country. But we've turned our attention now, uh, after those very successful, very popular programs that he put in around education, he's um, he is uh, going after this cancer that's in our society of George Soros supported district attorneys that were getting elected with the monies that Soros was putting into their campaigns and were undermining the rule of law by letting um, criminals go, by not prosecuting, by saying so many uh, crimes that uh, they personally weren't in favor of, they were just not going to go after, and they weren't following what the state laws or the federal laws are, but they certainly were letting criminals go back on the street and inflicting the additional harm that those criminals would uh, perpetrate on regular citizens. And the revolving door of getting arrested and being released undermines the policemen, the firemen, uh, the, the judges, uh, the, the lawyers in the system. They were getting frustrated because whatever they would do, the criminal would just be released because the prosecutor, the lead prosecutor, would fail uh, to follow up on the arrest of the individual. So I want to go back uh, to Governor DeSantis, where he's found one of these after studying the issue across the state of Florida. He found such a prosecutor in one of his major cities, uh, Tampa and Hillsborough County. And Governor, what did you do when you discovered that you had one of these prosecutors that was not prosecuting, but creating more harm and not following the law and those things were passed by elected officials that he was doing something on his own without any real authority 
Um, what did you find and what did you do about it? In June of 2021, he signed a letter saying that he would not enforce any prohibitions on sex change operations for minors. And that's a debate that we're having mostly administratively and through medical licensing in Florida, but other states have enacted penalties on the people that would perform those, which are really disfiguring these young kids. And he said, it doesn't matter what the legislature does in the state of Florida. Uh, he's going to exercise a veto over that. He's also instituted policies of, quote, presumptive non-enforcement. But that is not consistent with the role of a prosecutor. Yes, you can exercise discretion in an individual case, but that discretion has to be individualized and case-specific. You can't just say you're not going to do certain offenses. And then most recently, after the Dobbs decision was rendered by the U.S. Supreme Court, he signed a letter saying he would not enforce any laws relating to protecting the right to life in the state of Florida. And mind you, we have had prohibition on third trimester abortions for a long time. We've had prohibitions on partial birth abortions for a long time. And then most recently, the legislature enacted and I signed protections for unborn babies at three and a half months. And when they are aborted, it's typically done through a dismemberment procedure, which is really inhumane. Nevertheless, that is what the legislature has enacted. And it's not for him to put himself above that and say that he is not going to enforce the laws. We don't elect people in one part of the state to have veto power over what the entire state decides on these important issues. The Constitution of Florida has vested the veto power in the governor not an individual state attorneys. And so when you flagrantly violate your oath of office, when you make yourself above the law, uh, you have violated your duty, uh, you have neglected your duty, and you are displaying a lack of competence uh, to be able to perform those duties. Okay, so as governor, you did a study, you looked across the state, you interviewed a lot of different people, including uh, prosecutors across the state, um, uh, police officials across the state, elected officials, and you found a problem in uh, the Tampa Hillsborough County area of Florida. You identified that that individual, in fact, was clearly on the record, almost flagrantly out there in the public, saying he was not going to comply with the certain laws of Florida that have been passed and are important to the the people and the safety of uh, of not only Hillsborough County but across the state, and so. Now that you've identified the individual and you have him on record of saying he was going to violate those things that you were concerned about, what did you wind up doing about it? And so today we are suspending state attorney Andrew Warren. We are not going to allow this uh, pathogen that's been around the country of ignoring the law. We are not going to let that get a foothold here in the state of Florida. We are going to make sure that our laws are enforced uh, and that no individual prosecutor puts himself above the law. And I can tell you the states and the localities that have allowed this to happen, uh, they are ruining the day. You want to know why some people are moving to Florida? Because their communities are no longer safe thanks to prosecutors that think they know better than the people's representatives and they get to pick and choose which laws that they are, they are enforcing. So this was something that uh, had had a lot of input around the state. This is something that I think is a very, very important issue across our country that this movement would be allowed to take hold where you basically elevate your own personal conception of, quote, social justice over what the law requires of you.
Governor, many people think that this releasing of criminals and and waiving um, certain violations of law and not prosecuting, that that's part of what they call social justice, that our criminal justice system has been biased and racist for a long time, and this is just getting us to a social justice perspective. How do you see that argument and what has happened in areas that you saw so-called social justice being implemented with the release of criminals and not treating them as harshly as the law would otherwise require. would note, those who say this represents social justice, look at San Francisco. They had to recall this prosecutor who was put in, funded by people like George Soros, saying he's not going to prosecute. They did the recall election. He was recalled, even in a very liberal jurisdiction, but... The places that voted to keep him were the affluent communities who are not bearing the brunt of the policies. The places that voted to recall him were the working class communities because they bear the burden of ignorance and refusal to enforce the law. And so what this is all about is really when you uphold the rule of law, you are protecting the most vulnerable in our society. That's why we have a rule of law. And so I think today's uh, action is is obviously warranted. I I know that there'll potentially be some uh, uh, Florida Senate could potentially see this depending on how things are going out. Uh, But I just think that to take a position that you have veto power over the laws of this state is untenable. and, And and I think it, it warrants the suspension and eventual removal of office. Governor, we've talked about your very creative and inventive uh, policies on education and on criminal justice and reform. Um, I want to take the last few minutes we have uh, this week and talk about the issues that you've done to address some of the military concerns. So tell us first about what you think the problem is, and then uh, we'll Talk about the solutions that you put forward. Uh, oftentimes, military families are moving from base to base over the course of a career. You get those PCS orders, uh, two, two and a half years into a tour, and you end up, uh, you could be on the other side of the United States. And, and that in and of itself is a challenge. But when you're talking about having school children that are making that change, that can be very, very Challenging, And a child uh, whose parents are in active duty service will move to a new school six to nine times from the time they enter kindergarten until they graduate from high school if their parents are serving throughout that whole period of time. So, so that's not easy to do. Uh, that's something that uh, that does present challenges for us. But we wanted to make sure in Florida we're doing all that we can to head off those challenges and to make sure that our school system was very sensitive to uh, some of the some of the challenges posed when you have uh, mil- active duty military that, that are that are constantly moving around. So you uniquely identified a problem with the uh, military families because there's so much military, especially in the Panhandle of, of uh, Florida. Um, you identified that problem and the educational concerns and continuous. Um, uh, program availability for their children. What did you do about it? So last year, we worked with the legislature, uh, and I signed legislation to establish what we call the Purple Star Campus Program. Uh, and the Florida Department of Education under this program recognizes schools that go above and beyond to help children of military families to succeed. So the individual schools that apply for this designation uh, must do the following. One, designate a faculty member as the military point of contact. Number two, establish a student 
student-led transition program where military students are connected with non-military peers that can help them engage in school activities. Uh, you need to also reserve at least 5% of open enrollment seats for military students, and you need to provide teachers with more professional development uh, specialized for military students. And Okaloosa County has the highest percentage of military student enrollment out of any school district in the state of Florida. Over 5,600 children of military service members are enrolled in Okaloosa schools. And so I'm happy to announce today that 35 schools in Okaloosa County will now be designated as Purple Star Schools. We're also uh, designating another 79 schools across the state of Florida for a total of 114 Purple Star Schools in 10 school districts throughout Florida. One quick thing um, I think our audience would find of interest that you've done that unique to Florida and its military population is allow military, retired military in particular, uh, to uh, get into the classrooms to fill in some of the voids where we need more teachers with the kind of experience that the military provides in its training, uh, allow that to be brought into the ca- classroom earlier than what might otherwise have been the case uh, to bring that uh, knowledge and experience to play in our students. Can you tell us about that, please? Uh, earlier this year, I also signed legislation allowing veteran, uh, veterans with four years of military experience and an associate's degree to obtain a five-year temporary teaching certificate now rather than have to wait until they earn the bachelor's degree. Of course, they're progressing towards that bachelor's degree, but we recognize that active duty service as being something that is very meaningful and can have a, a very positive benefit uh, with students in the classroom. Well, there you have it, audience, at least a sneak preview into some of the policies, mainly focusing on education and criminal uh, justice reform by the governor of one of the largest states in the country, somebody who is likely to be the 2024 Republican nominee. He will at least run, I am sure. Uh, He is just too good and too creative and has done such a great job in Florida. I live in Florida, and we all love the governor. We'd hate to lose him. Uh, to uh, the country and go to Washington, D.C., rather than to Tallahassee. But we also know that it is to the benefit of the country. And if we can make uh, free Florida become free America again, uh, most of us would be all in favor of that. So keep an eye out on this man. He's going to be a political force to be reckoned with. And I think that he will be the leading candidate come 2024. Join us next week when we'll take more in-depth insights into the policies and and of our country, foreign domestic policies, and other political issues. I hope you enjoyed this. Join us again next week. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.